special edition where we talk wines and the Giro d'Italia. We held an exceptional clubhouse room dedicated to Giro d'Italia, but it was not recorded. I know, I know, bummer. But anyways, we thought about sharing some notes about the stages of the Giro, written and read by Mark Millen, a food, wine and travel writer and the author of numerous books as well as magazine articles published on both sides of the Atlantic. Since these bikers will also go through Verona, the city of Vinitaly, there will be more special episodes to come. Stay tuned! Sip, sniff. While you drink, don't forget the testing tips. Sometimes the Giro d'Italia explodes into drama almost from day one, as it did in 2019 with the hilly prologue stage in Bologna. Or last year, when by stage three, the gladiators were already battling it out on the slopes of Mount Etna. This year's edition has been somewhat slower to come to a boil, but it has been by no means without its drama or tales of glory or woe. And all along the way, there have been wines, good and sometimes great Italian wines, with which to celebrate or to console. Here are my reports for stages eight, nine, and ten. Stage 8, Foggia, Guardia San Framondi, 170 kilometers. At last, a straightforward stage that went pretty well by the textbook. Yesterday's stage 7 was another long day that took the peloton across Abruzzo and into Molise. Though there were a few bumps along the way, mainly in the wine country of Chieti, the sprinter and GC teams controlled the race well and everyone seemed mainly content just to pedal at high pace to get to Termoli where the action started. A sharp right turn, then a brief but fairly savage climb to the finish were the last obstacles and on this final rise the powerful young Australian, Caleb Ewan of Lotto Sudal, muscled himself once again to the stage win. With two top podium results now under his belt, He wears a Malia Ciclamino and is steadily accumulating the points to give himself a real chance of still having it in his possession when this year's Giro ends in Milan on Sunday, 30th of May. Today's stage starts at Foggia in Puglia, then crosses the Apennines, passing back into Molise and through Campo Basso before heading into the Matese Mountains to climb the 20-kilometer Bocca della Selva. Then the long descent into Campania's province of Benevento before a nasty kick to the finish. I'm hoping that Peter Sagan, who has been there or thereabouts on some of the sprint stages, might be able to survive the big climb in the bunch and then distance his rivals at the finish, which I think could suit him. That wish is probably unlikely and it could be another day for an opportunistic breakaway, but I hope he will get his chance. Sagan is a rider of such talent courage and heart that I'd like to see him get at least a stage win, if not this, then perhaps another in the days to come. From a wine point of view, stage eight 
presents yet another embarrassment of riches. Grapes are grown on Puglia's Gargano Peninsula in the province of Foggia to produce good Sansevero wines, white, rosato, and red, the best reds and rosatos, produced from Nero di Troia. The unusually named Cace Mite di Lucera is another wine worth seeking out, and not only for its curious name, which in local dialect means take out and pour in, an indication perhaps that this is a wine to enjoy with abandon. Volise's Campobasso province is a source of Biferno, produced mainly from Montepulciano with the addition of Alianico, a wine that is becoming more widely available. Even our local co-op here in Devon stocks a good version. It is interesting to compare this blend of Montepulciano Alianico with Rosso Conero's Montepulciano Sangiovese from up the eastern seaboard in Le Marche. The final destination of today's stage brings the riders into the heart of yet another important wine zone in Campania's Benevento, with the finish at Guardia San Framondi, a small town of Lombard origin. Guardia's importance at the center of the wine zone of Sanio, the name comes from the ancient Samnites, was given valuable international validation when it, together with Castel Venere, Sant'Agata de Gotti, Solopaca, and Torricuso were chosen as a collective European wine city of 2019. The best reds come primarily from Alianico. Whites are also noteworthy from old vines of Falangina, Greco, and Fiano. As is still the case throughout much of Italy, many of the small growers here belong to an important cooperative winery, La Guardiense, which has 1,000 wine-growing soci or members, owning and working vineyards all along the 40-kilometer valley. The cellar is extremely well-equipped, and superstar winemaker Riccardo Cottarella oversees production. So I'm going to raise a glass of Falangina del Sanio Guardiense, both to the wine growers of Benevento, as well as to today's victor, whoever it may be. Stage 9. Castel di Sangro to Campo Felice, 158 kilometers. The first week of this year's Giro has passed by in something of a blur. Might it be all that virtual wine I'm drinking, I wonder. The riders who are still in the race have now cycled 1,252.6 kilometers across Piemonte, Emilia-Romagna, Le Marche, Abruzzo, Molise, Puglia, and Campania on roads that have varied from pancake flat to vertiginous and from inland mountains to the Adriatic. Today's stage takes to the highest mountains of Abruzzo with four categorized climbs including a savage finish on unpaved roads. It's exhausting just thinking about it and there's still another two weeks to go. This first week of the Giro has also reminded me why this annual event captures the imagination of so many not only across Italy but around the world. Those of us who are passionate about cycling come for the sport, of course, to see the talent, courage, power, and to feel something of the joy and the suffering. But the Giro is so much more than just a sporting event. It is a celebration of Italy in all its magnificent glory and variety. There is history all along the way. This year's Stage 1 began in Turin to mark the 160th anniversary of the modern Italian nation, and to commemorate that Turin was the first capital of unified Italy. 
we travel down an important Roman road, the Via Emilia, from Piacenza to the Adriatic at Rimini. Over the past few days, the cyclists have gone through remote towns in the deep southern regions of Molise, Abruzzo, and Campania to trace their origins back to the Lombards, who climbed over the Julian Alps into Italy in A.D. 568, after the fall of the Roman Empire. This was by no means just a dark age. The cultural brilliance of the Lombards in Italy was recognized when UNESCO granted world cultural protected status to seven Lombard sites across the country, including in deepest Benevento, yesterday's final destination. The Giro is a celebration of Italian culture, too. 2021 marks 700 years since the passing of Dante Alighieri, the poet who is considered the father of the Italian language since he wrote his Capolavoro, the Divine Comedy, in the vernacular, in Tuscan dialect rather than in Latin. The Giro will pay homage to him on a stage that runs from Ravenna to Verona. The Giro brings immense pride to the whole nation, to every single town and city that it passes through, and especially to those towns or cities which are graced with being able to host either the start or finish of a stage. And of course, there is food and wine in all its glorious regional and local abundance and variety. For these reasons and more, the Giro is loved by just about anyone who loves Italy, not just for tifosi of cycling. Yesterday, a breakaway group managed to slip away again, in spite of the close attention and high tempo that Ineos Grenadiers had put on the front of the peloton. Was it the high tempo that saw the previous day's stage winner and wearer of the Malia Ciclamino, Caleb Ewan, choose to abandon the race for good? Or was he injured? None of the breakaways who were eventually allowed escape were a threat to GC, and this gave the opportunity for another debutante Grand Tour stage winner, Victor Lefay of Cofidis, who rode to glory up the steep finish to Campo San Felice. Bravo, Victor. Bravo for the breakaways. They are making this year's Giro super exciting, and who doesn't love an underdog? Today is the first of seven seriously hard days in the mountains, a day that will be spent entirely in Abruzzo, one of the most majestic and beautiful regions in Italy. There will be four categorized climbs with a mountaintop finish that will test the riders' legs and their hearts and minds as they endure a savagely steep 14% final rise on a strada bianca or unpaved road. It's almost certain that by the end of the day, young Attila Walter may have to relinquish the Malia Rosa that he has worn with such pride over the past two days. But who will be in pink this evening? The high mountains of Abruzzo have traditionally been the domain of shepherds, who each spring bring their flocks up to mountain pastures following old, timeless tracks, or traturi, for the transumanza, the movement of beast and man, to the summer pastures. Living with their animals through these months, grazing them on unpolluted pastures, fragrant with wildflowers, milking the sheep to make delicious pecorino cheese. The mountains of Gran Sasso are truly majestic, and today's cycling will also be hard and majestic. I need a majestic wine to go with a hunk of that good aged pecorino. Montepulciano d'Abruzzo is just the sort of wine I am looking for. 
Montepulciano d'Abruzzo at best, from producers such as Emidio Pepe, Valentini, Dino Illuminati, Masciarelli, and others, ranks with Italy's greatest reds and attracts elevated price tags as well. I'm looking for something humbler today. Montepulciano d'Abruzzo Biologico from Cantina Tollo, a cooperative winery that has brought prosperity to an otherwise impoverished land. The wine is good, with pure, bright, organically cultivated fruit, deep in colour, rich in tannin, yet never harsh or aggressive. It is a wine to go with a plate of spaghetti alla chitarra, or with lamb cooked over a wood fire, or else just with that hunk of good mountain pecorino, a bite of bread. Then it's back on my bike for this virtual journey to continue. Stage 10, L'Aquila to Foligno, 139 kilometers. This year's Giro exploded into life yesterday on the bare, unpaved track leading to the summit of Campo Felice. In cold drizzle and wind, with snow on the high mountain tops and even the sheep taking shelter, and where the gravel track reared to an eye-watering 14%, Egan Bernal, the gifted and still young Colombian team leader for Ineos Grenadiers, left behind his loyal lieutenants who had marshaled him up four categorized climbs to accelerate to a famous victory. What was most astonishing was how quickly the diminutive Bernal distanced himself from his main GC rivals, dancing on the pedals with apparent ease, an awesome demonstration of power, balance, grace and majesty. In so doing, he not only won the stage, he took over the Malia Rosa as race leader and also inherited Malia Bianca as the best young rider. It's hard to believe that Bernal already a winner of the Tour de France in 2019, is only 24 years old. We are nine days into a 21-day stage race, and there is still so much work to be done and so many factors that will ultimately decide the victor in Milan. Weather, injury, sickness, crashes will all give the race many twists and turns in the coming days. But for now, Bernal is the man to beat, and it will be up to his Ineos Grenadier teammates to help him to defend the Malia Rosa. Today's route crosses the Apennines once more, from L'Aquila, capital of Abruzzo, situated at 714 metres above sea level, to descend first into Lazio and then finally into Umbria for a long and flat run to Foligno, a town strategically located along another important Roman road, the Via Flaminia, that once connected Rome with the Adriatic. I don't expect too much to happen today, certainly not the fireworks of yesterday. There will be a breakaway. The sprinters' teams will try and bring the escapees back in order to be able to contest the sprint finish on the streets of Foligno, and Ineos Grenadiers will demonstrate the team's collective strength and determination to protect the Malia Rosa and bring their leader Bernal safely to the finish. Then, at last, a rare luxury. After ten days of hard racing, a rest day tomorrow. The cyclists will have the chance to put their feet up, switch off mentally from the rigors they have endured, recuperate, refuel, and rejuvenate physically as well as mentally. 
comfort food, I feel, is in order. For me, that would be a big bowl of something simple, perhaps zuppa di lenticchie, lentil soup made with lentils from nearby Castelluccio di Norcia, which are special enough to have their own protected DOP status. Simple, warming, and delicious, accompanied not with a simple wine, but with something rather more special, because after the days of toil, we've earned the right to savor a wine that will soothe and inspire. One of Umbria's greatest, Rubesco Reserva Vigna Monticchio, from nearby Torgiano, produced by the Lungarotti family from old Sangiovese vines on the Cru Monticchio single vineyard. It's a special wine that brings back many fond memories, a wine like Bernal on that final steep rise that combines power, balance, grace, and majesty. A rest for me tomorrow, too. See you on Wednesday for the wine stage. It's going to be a corker. Sip, sip, while you drink, don't forget this tasting test.